So praise God, we're going to get, a, get into our message again this evening. We have been talking on, on who we are in Christ. Really, we, we came into the year, you know, looking at um, ever new, uh, came in with that in my heart, coming into the, the, the new year, just showing the things, the things of God are ever new. We don't have to get improvement. God's stuff does not date. You can't improve the new birth. Um, people just need a fresh revelation many times of the new birth, of being a new creature, of what Jesus has done for us, of the fact that we are in Christ Praise God of the fact of who we now are in Christ. And that's what we have been looking at. And I've looked at a lot of different things. And I'm not going to go through everything this evening. But just let me um, just remind us of what we looked at last week. We, last week we looked at how that we are seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Amen. That we're more than a conqueror through him. Um, we need to have that mindset of a winner. We're winners in Christ. Amen. We have his victory. So we're more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. Jesus won the victory and we get to enjoy it. So his, his victory is our victory. Um, we looked at how that we always triumph in Christ Jesus. We looked at to be strong in the Lord. And the Bible lets us know to be strong in the Lord. And the Bible lets us know that you are an overcomer. Praise God. When you're born of God, you are an overcomer. You've overcome the world. So it lets you know that you already are an overcomer. Amen. So no matter what we we face in life we face it from the standpoint that we're overcomers so praise God and then we looked at how that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us so they're all of the things that we well we looked at last week and there's a bunch of things of who we are in Christ Christ Jesus that we've looked at over the last several weeks but let me look again at Philemon chapter 1 and verse 6 we've been using this verse as we started um, each one of these messages and the Bible says that the communication of your faith may become a factual amen where it becomes Powerful, operative. It becomes a factual. It goes into effect. How? By the acknowledging of every good thing that is in you in Christ Jesus. And as we've been saying, a lot of people talk about, you know what, there's nothing good in me. Yes, that's in the flesh. But I'm telling you, your identity is who you are in Christ. And so we speak all of the good things of who we are in Christ Jesus, that we are accepted, that we're highly favored, that we are blessed in Christ Jesus, blessed with every spiritual blessing, amen, that we're sanctified in Christ, that we're redeemed in Christ, all of these wonderful things that we're more than a conqueror, all of these things of who we are in Christ Jesus, amen. Um, uh, let me look at Psalms 107 and verse 2. It says here, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Amen. So that's how we acknowledge. We acknowledge by being fully acquainted with what the word says. We take it on. We take on the mindset of it and we begin to acknowledge it. We begin to say it. Amen. And let the redeemed of the Lord say so. And we need to say what the word of God says about our lives. We don't need to be quiet as Christians. That doesn't mean to say we'd be obnoxious. But you know what? You need to be a person that is able to say who you are in Christ Jesus. You need to say it over your own life. Say it when you face things in life. Say it from the standpoint of who you are in Christ Jesus. Right in the face of anything that comes against you. Who you are in Christ Jesus. Amen. And sometimes people think that it's prideful to talk like that and all of these kind of things. No, it's confidence. Um, arrogance is whenever you do it out of self thinking that you who done all of these things. Confidence is, is an act of faith. It is, it is getting in line with what God's word says. And faith, you know, faith 
faith people are confident you're confident in what Jesus has done for us and so you start saying you're not saying it on the basis of us all of these are in Christ we re just received Jesus and came into Christ we didn't merit these we didn't do anything to earn deserve we just got saved amen and when you got saved you became a new creature in Christ Jesus and so you find out now that you're in Christ, you're a new creature. What does that mean? And that's what we've been looking at. And then you take on that identity of that. And part of that is taking it on, getting a mindset of it. But then you need to also say it. Your words are powerful. There's power in your mouth. And you need to say it so that you hear it. Amen. You see, sometimes people won't say it. They hear a message and they go, that's good. Or whatever, but they don't actually then embrace it and say it themselves. And it's important to say it ourselves. Amen. Uh, so praise God. Let's, uh, let's move on this evening. I want to look tonight, and I'm going to do this here part here over, over a, a couple of messages. I want to look tonight at our, at our inheritance. Amen. Because you have an inheritance whenever you come into Christ Jesus. Ephesians 1 and verse 11, it says, In whom also you have obtained an inheritance. Now, Remember when we looked at, you know, who we are in Christ Jesus, we find out who we are in Christ Jesus by looking at these terms mainly. You know, in, in the epistles, the Bible talks about in Christ, in Him, and in whom. And when you find verses that talk about who you are in Christ, like I'm a new creature in Christ Jesus, amen, you're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. When you find verses like that are in Him, you know, or, and then in whom you find those verses, those verses let you know who you are in Christ Jesus. And they're all through the epistles. Praise God. Here's one here in Ephesians chapter 1. And it's letting us know here in whom also we have obtained what? An inheritance. Praise God, we have an inheritance. Amen. Amen. We have an inheritance because of what Jesus obtained. So we are part of his inheritance, praise God. An inheritance is talking about something that's given to you because of really sonship in the word of God. And thank God that we are children of God. And because we're children of God and born of God, we have an inheritance. So, um, and, and here, look down in verse 14 there. I won't read through everything. Verse 14, it says, talking about the Holy Spirit is the earnest of our inheritance. Thank God that we have the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is your guarantee. And so it's talking about here, uh, right until we have everything, you know, our glorified body and all of those things. But thank God that the Holy Spirit, He is the guarantee. And we have things to come. But the Holy Spirit, because we have the Holy Spirit, we have that guarantee of those things which are to come. But praise God, we have an inheritance now. Amen. And you can enjoy the benefits of what Jesus has won for you. Amen. And I want to look at that over the next couple of, couple of messages together. Here in Ephesians as well, in chapter 1, and um, in verses 15 through 30, 
or through 23, it's that great prayer in Ephesians to where we are to pray that we would get a revelation of what Jesus won for us. How what, what, what Jesus obtained, how whenever he was, went to that cross, how that affects us. How that whenever Jesus was buried, how that affects us. How that when Jesus was resurrected, how that affect, affected us. How that when he was seated in heavenly places, how that affected us. That's how the book of Ephesians is laid out. It's showing all of the things for everyone who would get into Christ. Amen. And we need to pray, the Bible saying, that we would get a revelation of how what Jesus done, how, that affect, how does that affect our lives? Amen. We need a revelation of that. And look what it says here in verse 18 in this prayer. It says, The eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you might know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of, look at that there, his inheritance in the saints. So when Jesus was raised from the dead, praise God, he got an inheritance. How does his inheritance affect us? Because we're in on that. Because everything that he won is ours also in Christ. That's what it's letting us know. So whatever he got, we get also. That's the, that's the awesome thing about being in Christ. Because we were identified in Christ Jesus. So you have an inheritance. Let me, let me look over here in Romans um, chapter 8 for a second. Romans 8 and verse 16, it says the Spirit it's, uh, itself, really it's himself. We looked at that before last year where we've seen that um, every time it talks about itself, this word everywhere else is talking about himself. So uh, the, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Do you know what? You're a child of God when you make Jesus Christ the Lord and Savior of your life. You have the Holy Spirit living in you. Amen. That's why it's important for us. Don't listen to, to the lies of the enemy. Listen to the Holy Ghost on the inside of you. And the Holy Spirit, he bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And it says, and if children, then what are you? You are an heir. An heir of God. And look at this. And a joint heir with Jesus Christ, amen, a joint heir with Christ. Do you know what that means? Joint means shared, equal. So whatever Jesus got, we get. Amen. Praise God. Yeah. You know, we need to think like we're his heir. We're a joint heir with Jesus Christ. You know, it's like, I know if somebody gets an inheritance, you know, if a parent leaves an inheritance to their children and say that is to be, is to be equal, that means they're all equal to the inheritance. Well, praise God, I tell you, Jesus um, won for us everything. Praise God. And we're his joint heir tonight. A joint heir with Jesus Christ. Now, let me look in Hebrews chapter 1 because let's see what he is the heir of. And then let's see what we are the heir of. Hebrews chapter 1. Look what it says in verse 1. It says, God who at sundry times and in divers manners spake in times past unto the fathers by the prophets. And then it says, has in these last days spoken unto us by his son. Look at this. Who he has appointed heir of how many things? All things. Jesus is the heir of all things. Have a guess who else is the heir of all things? Us? Yeah. 
You have to personalize that. I'm an heir. I'm an heir of all things. Not some things. All things. How can you think poor whenever you're the heir of all things? A lot of people have a problem with, with prosperity, and most of it is because they've seen, they've seen misuse of people taking advantage of people. But I'm telling you, God is a prosperous God. God is the, he owns all things. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. Amen. The silver and the gold is his. Have a guess who else it belongs to? Us. God is rich. But God is love. God is generous. So, you know, the minds, our mindset has to, has to be different. I don't know how anybody can, can say that poverty is a blessing when you, the Bible lets us clearly know that Jesus is the heir of all things and we are his joint heir. That means we're the heir of all things as well. Amen. So again it says, he is the heir of how many things? All things. What does all things mean? All things means all things. Now, I want to look at a couple of things here for a moment over in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. And I'm really going to speak everything off of, of this, this evening, off of these couple of verses here this evening. We'll look at other verses around it, but I'm, I'm taking this really as the basis. But look at what it says here in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. And let me, let me just say this before we get into this well. Really the backdrop of this is that... There was division in, in the church in Corinth. And you know what? And they were, they were gathering themselves around personalities. As far as one was saying, you know what? I'm of Peter, the other of Paul, the other of Apollos. And you know what? They were gathering into groups of, you know what? And dividing. And many you know Peter, Paul, and Apollos were all great ministers. Do you know what? We have Peter's writings. We have the epistles of Paul. We are all learning from them even today. We're learning from what, you know, what Peter, you know, put in Scripture. We're learning tonight. We're reading what Paul said here. When we come into 1 Corinthians here, we've read several things that Paul has already written. Do you know what? People many times, they, they, they want to divide themselves. They want to say, I'm in this camp and I'm in that camp and I'm in the other camp. And they use it to divide. And they were doing that in Corinth as well. It's nothing new. You know, sometimes people know I, I, this, is, this, is my, this is the only person I listen to or whatever. And, but you know what the reality of it is, is we don't need to be dividing ourselves. I do believe there's good doctrine and bad doctrine, okay? I believe we're to rightly divide the Word of God. Um, and so you, you stick with what is, what is good doctrine. You know what? But here was the thing here. All of these had good doctrine, and yet people were dividing themselves. And yet God was using them and they were working together. Paul and Apollos were working together. You can see them overlapping in, in Acts. You know what? God was using them mightily. And yet many times people, you know what? Based on personality, they, they just, it's, it's, like, it's like as if they get into a camp and they're against everybody else that is not in that camp. That's not the way we're meant to be as believers. And so there was division. And so in the back of this here, Paul says these couple of, of verses. And he says in verse, uh, let me just read these here first and then I'll go through them. But it says here in 1 Corinthians 3 and verse 22, it says, Whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas, that's Peter, it says, Or the world, 
our life, our death, our things present, our things to come. Look at that. All are yours. Notice that. All are yours. And you are Christ's. And Christ is God's. Look at that statement there. All are yours. You need to have that mindset that everything's mine. Everything. And I'll explain that a bit as I go along. But you need to have that mindset that everything is yours. Why? Jesus is the heir of all things. Amen. And that you are his jointer. And that all things are yours. Amen. <laughs> Praise God. Sometimes hard for us to get our head around that. It's hard for poverty people to get their head around that. It's like, oh, God doesn't want me to have anything. No, you're the heir of all things. That's what the word says. Amen. Now, just on this, just on this point alone, you know, Paul, Apollos, and Cephas. Do you know what? As I said, there's people, I, there's people that I, I don't like certain doctrines that they teach, but there's other things that teach that are great. Yeah. I've learned that was, there's certain ministers that I know what to listen to. Because, yeah. like, you know, none of us have it all together. But you know what? I'm not going to isolate myself. I've learned stuff from ministers that are polar opposites. I've learned things from both. Why? Because they're all mine. You understand? Amen. You know, so everything's ours. That's what Paul's saying. Paul's saying, don't cut yourself off from Peter. Don't cut yourself off from Apollos. You know what? You could hear something from them that will set your life free. Yeah. Some people have an angle. You know, as in like, I don't mean an angle as in a bad angle. I mean, some people have a grace, a gift in the teaching certain things. Some people have a grace to teach on healing. Yeah. They just, that's their grace. That's just, they can teach on other things, but when they hit on that, boom. So it's just awesome. There's people that have, have, have a grace, um, you know, to teach on callings. There's people that have a grace to teach on, you know, prosperity. Um, there's people that have a grace to teach on favor. There's people that have a grace to teach on a bunch of different things. And when you listen to them, do you know what? You get, you get faith for that. You understand? Your faith is encouraged in that. Um, and you know what? You always have to have balance. That's why, you know what, I don't, I, don't, I don't believe in listening to one doctrine all the time. You know, so that's what gets people in a ditch. They listen just to money, and then they get in a ditch. All they see is money. Mm. They've lost the heart for souls. Yeah. There, there has to be both. When you have both, it's a wonderful combination. Uh, I, I always liken it this way, that if the more doctrines you have in your arsenal that you've learned and listened to and you know different things what happens is they become like bodyguards that farm around you and they keep you in the center so that if you go to go that direction into a ditch this one over here starts screaming and saying hey where are you going to pull you back over yeah. you understand and so it keeps you right it's just it's just like sometimes you can get so focused on inside church that then you know you become just you become inside you forget about the world but then other people all they see is the world and they don't see training in the body of Christ but you need both. Believers need to be trained. Unbelievers need to be reached. So you need both. Amen. As again, as I say, like, you know, we need, we need to uh, see prosperity. God wants us prosperous. Amen. I make absolutely no apologies for that. God does want us to prosper, but God doesn't want us greedy. God wants us to have a love for the move of God. I have a heart for the kingdom of God, the gospel. If you get those two going together, that's a powerful combination. So you have resource 
for to advance the move of God. And, uh, you know, it's all of those kind of things. But here's, here's the thing. I've learned stuff from people in all different camps. Because some people have a great, they've, they've just got a great area in which they teach. But, you, you know, you, you, I can always tell when, I can always tell sometimes when people go down the wrong path because they get out of what the Word says, they get out of faith, but, you know, start, start becoming condemning or stuff like that there. And, you know, well, maybe what you're getting isn't good. But I tell you, all of the gifts of the, uh, who, who give the gifts to the church? Jesus gave the gifts to the church. Amen. And you know what? And, and let God perfect your life. I don't tell people always who, who to listen to and who not to listen to and things like that there. But you know what? You know who you draw from. You know where your life is being changed. Amen. Um, but I want you to know that, praise God, they're all for the body of Christ. And you're in the body of Christ. And you may not agree with someone, but you know what? Maybe somebody else is being mightily blessed by them. You know, I've listened to people that say the same things, but I just don't get it the same way. Do you understand? It's because they maybe the way they explain it or the way that they just don't talk in a way where my understanding gets it where it clicks with me. There's other people I listen to that say exact same thing and boom, it just resonates with me. But here's the thing, I'm not going to shut myself off from people and say that they're not part of the body and all of that. I've learned over the years to, to, um, to, to take the good, amen, like spit out the bones as we had said, take the meat and spit out the bones. And you know what, all I'm saying is they were dividing over issues, over personalities. I don't like this one, I don't like that one. I was just thinking about it actually today as well, earlier on. I was thinking there's ministers that I love dearly and you know, many times they can be so, so critical and so, so judgmental, but the good, what they're saying is awesome. And it's amazing, they criticize this one, and I've received from both. Do you know why? Both of them are mine. You understand? Both mine. Why? Because all things are mine. I've learned things from ministers. I've learned from things from ministers who are, you know, they've got a real heart for holiness. I've learned from them. I've also learned from people who have a real great understanding of grace. So I've learned from different people. I've, I've learned from people who are dead. I still listen to people who are dead. Because we have their stuff. I have their tapes. I have them on YouTube. But you know what? Here's the thing. They're yours. Amen. And they're mine. So what, what Peter's trying to get them to get the understanding of, you know what? Learn how to receive when God's speaking to you. Don't isolate yourself. Realize They've been given to the body of Christ. So all things are ours. Amen. Um, <laughs> praise God. Here's the next thing. All things are yours. Then it goes on to say here, the world. Amen. How many of you know the world is ours? Yes, absolutely. God give us all of these things to enjoy. God give us everything. The universe, that's for us to enjoy. You know what? You can be standing on the, on the earth and looking up and I'm telling you, them stars are yours. Those planets are yours. That sky at night, that is yours. When you go somewhere, let me tell you, I can remember going to the Grand Canyon. Praise God, they didn't realize that. I walked up, that was mine. Amen, I own it. <laughs> Amen, because all things are ours. All of those things were given for us. Do you know what? Don't go through life miserable. Whenever there's beauty everywhere you look, everywhere we look, there's beauty. You look around every day, praise God, you can drive past. Sometimes you can drive past, 
You know, where we live, you can see the mountains in the background, and sometimes you can go past it so many times you forget the beauty that is right in front of your eyes. That is ours. We have to see that. It's ours. It belongs to us. Some people say, I don't, I don't, I don't know anything. Praise God. All things are yours, the Bible says. You're an heir of all things. Amen. Praise God. Then it says of life. When it says life there, it is talking about Zoe life. It is the life of God. Let me tell you, the life of God is yours. You have it. You have his nature. You have his character. Stop looking at yourself and saying, I don't have anything. I don't, you know, nothing. Start looking around and enjoying everything and saying, hey, that belongs to me. Amen. Those trees, they're for me. Praise the Lord. Not this universe, it's for me. This earth, it's for me. Amen. Start walking around saying, I possess the life of God. I ha- That's your inheritance. Amen. You have the life of God in you. Start realizing I have the life of God in me. I have his love, his nature, and his ability, as we were saying the other week. I have the life of God in me. You know, sometimes people run around with a face. Christians, face like, you know, trip up a train, as we we would say. And we have the life of God in us. Now, here's another thing. Death. You know, death doesn't own you. You own it. Let me tell you, Jesus' victory over death is your victory over death. As a believer, you don't have to run around saying, I'm afraid of death. I'm afraid of dying. I used to be afraid of dying, but not any longer, praise the Lord. I used to be afraid because I I knew the gospel from a young age. I used to be afraid of dying. But I'm telling you, when I made Jesus the Lord and Savior of my life, I'm not afraid of dying. I want to finish my course. I want to live and finish what God has for me. But I'm not afraid whenever whenever I I go, if I go by the way of the grave, praise God, I'll not be out of fear. Absent from the body, present with the Lord. Death has no sting. Death has no victory. Oh, grave, where is your victory? There's no victory in the grave, praise God, for us as believers. Why? Because, let me tell you, death is, death is yours as well. If you face it, praise God, if we don't go in the rapture and we face death, you don't have to face it in fear and trembling. You can face it in faith, knowing that it has no victory over your life. It's like stepping out of that room there, into, or that corridor there, into this room. That's all death is for a believer. It's just stepping over and you're face to face with Jesus. That's what it's letting us know here. For a believer, death is what? Precious. Because you go to be with the Lord. Do you know in football, do you know, if you, say for instance, if there was a player that was a great player, a great striker, whatever, and you were a defender, and, and they never got a chance on goal the whole game, we say, I had them in my back pocket. Yeah. The whole game. Well, let me tell you, you have death in your back pocket. It doesn't have you in its back pocket. You don't have to be afraid of it. That's what it's letting us know. We don't have to face it with fear. It is not a fearful thing. Let me tell you, for Paul, Paul didn't know whether to stay or to go. Paul was looked at death like, you know, going to um, like the train station or the airport, a departure. Will I stay or will I go? 
To stay would be more profitable for you, but to go, boy, it would be great because I'd be face to face with Jesus. And Paul said, I don't know what one I'm going to do, but he ended up staying. Do you know why? Because it was more beneficial for the people. And Paul stayed because of his love for the people and for the gospel that he could keep being effective. But Paul said, if I was to choose myself at this time, I would be selfish and just go on home because it would be awesome to be face to face with Jesus. Do you know what? Paul didn't die until he was ready to go. Amen. And John didn't die until he was ready to go either. Because, you see, death didn't own them. They had seen themselves that they owned death. And that they were going to win in life and do what God had called them to do. And you know what? For us, that's what we need. You know what? When the time comes, whenever we go, praise God for all of us as believers. The moment you close these eyes here, let me tell you, you'll be wide awake on the other side face-to-face with Jesus. Amen. But you know what? We should be people of faith and recognize that all things are ours. We have a call of God upon our lives and believe God to live long enough, amen, to fulfill the plan and the purpose of God for your life. Don't check out early. Amen. Don't check out until you're satisfied. Amen. Praise God. So death doesn't own you. Praise God. You have it in your back pocket. Why? Because Jesus' victory over death is your victory over death. Do you think Jesus is afraid of death? Not one bit. Why? Because he defeated it. So then we have confidence. Amen. Awesome. See, all things are ours. That's what it's letting us know. Here's the other thing. Things present. That's now. Sometimes people say, heaven's mine. Here's mine too. You know, God doesn't mind you having things here. God doesn't mind you having a good life and, you know, a good life here. Having things here. Enjoying, you know, things in life. Some people think God wants us to, you know, not have anything. No, that's not true. That's not what the Bible says. God doesn't want us covetous. God doesn't want us greedy. God doesn't want us selfish. But here's the thing. All things are yours. Look, here's the reality of it. Things don't satisfy. Only Jesus does. Things are to be enjoyed. They don't satisfy. Because things in this world get old. But here's the thing. Enjoy things. Amen. No matter what thing you have, enjoy it. You know what I mean? As in, in what God adds to our lives. Enjoy it. Amen. Praise God. Enjoy, enjoy, you know, anything you have. Enjoy your lawnmower. Enjoy your car. Enjoy, enjoy everything you have in life. Some people make, make it out that you shouldn't have anything in life and try to make people guilty because they have something. God gives us richly all, look at that again, all things to what? Enjoy. They're to be enjoyed. They are not to be they're not to satisfy your life, but you enjoy them. Amen. Don't live with condemnation if you have something nice. That you should hang your head in shame. I've heard people say those things all the way. They're a Christian, they shouldn't have that. Says who? Says who? It's okay for you to have it. But a Christian can't. No, all things are ours. Amen. There's a balance that people have taken not the extreme and all they've got into is just things. And I'm going to show the balance of that as, as we go along. Because what are we living for? We're not living for the things. We enjoy the things what God adds to us. 
You enjoy the things, amen, but you don't live for them. Why? You have something higher that you're living for. You have a high calling of God upon your life. That's what you're living for. But you know what? God wants you to have things that you also enjoy. Amen. Amen. Now, here's another thing that I just want to hit out here because, you know, sometimes people say, you know, all things. I've heard people teach this and they've taught, you know, sickness is yours and poverty is yours because they say all things are yours. No, I'll show you, show you as we go along here this evening. But here's the thing. There's a lot of things in this world that don't come from God. Okay? And God's not given us those things. The, whatever Jesus died for to take from us, that's not what he's given to us, okay? He's given us all the things that he has that he has given to us. Amen. Let me tell you, the pure, all things are pure. There's a purity to everything that God has, has given to us. So I've heard people teach on these things and, and start talking about, you know, God give you sickness because that sickness is good. God has a good plan and all that. No, that's rubbish. Okay, but let me tell you this here in Romans chapter 8 and verse 28 it says and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God to them who are called according to his purpose let me tell you all things don't come from God but no matter what comes against you God can work it all out for your good amen why because you see you're in this earth and you're precious to God and when you trust God God will even cause everything that happens in this world to work out for your good you understand? Because all things are yours. Let me tell you, they can't destroy you. All they're doing is, is working on your behalf if they come against you. Because all things will work out for your good. Let me tell you, God doesn't bring all things, but God can use anything. You understand? He can use things. Look, when Goliath came against David, God used that to promote David. Everybody knew who David was at the end of the day. But God didn't bring Goliath out. Okay, Goliath was coming out taunting, but I'm telling you, God was able to work it out for David's good. And I'm telling you, everything that comes against you in life, you trust God. You need to see that you are, it's like a magnetic field that everything is working around you. It doesn't matter what it is, it's working around for your good. That's the way we need to see that. But I've heard people say everything in this present world, sickness and all of these kind of things, they're a blessing from God. No, they are not. They are things that Jesus redeemed us from. Amen. Praise God. And all things working together for good is letting us know also that one day we're going to be face to face with Jesus. So it doesn't matter what comes against you. Let me tell you, understand this. One day you will be face to face with him in a glorified body. Amen. Nothing, in other words, nothing can stop you. Why? Because you have an inheritance. Amen. Here as well, just talking about this present world, and also this can apply to what is coming. Matthew 5 and verse 5, it says, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit what? The earth. That's now. God will add to your life now. Earth is talking about here now. God can add to your life now, the meek shall what? Inherit what? The earth. Some people inherit nothing. No, the meek shall inherit the earth. Now, praise God, we inherit the earth now. Amen. But also, we'll be here whenever Jesus is on the earth in the thousand year reign. Amen. And we will inherit also the new heaven and the new earth. Do you know why? Because it's all ours. <laughs> praise God. Now, then it says here, things to come. 
based on that other um, verse there over in Corinthians. Things to come. Let me tell you, the rapture is yours. All of these things to come. Sometimes Christians, they don't know whether they're going up in the rapture or not. The rapture is mine. When it happens, if I'm still alive, I'm going up. Amen. How many of you are going up? Praise God. When that trumpet sounds, we won't stay here. Once you're saved, you are going up. Some people even teaching in our day DNR that you have to be holy to go up in the rapture. If you have to be holy to go up in the rapture, the only holiness that would be accepted is the exact holiness that Jesus lived in his entire life. And none of us will live up, up to that. But thank God he made us holy. Amen. Thank God we're holy in Christ. We looked at that, that we're blameless in Christ Jesus. When you get saved, to go up in the rapture, you need to be in Christ. It's for the dead in Christ and those who are alive and remain. It's for people who are in Christ. They're the ones who are going up in the rapture. Once you're saved, you're going up in the rapture. I don't care you're saved five minutes or saved um, 20 years or 50 years. I don't care if you're a carnal Christian or you're a spiritual Christian. As long as you are in Christ Jesus, Jesus, you are going up in the rapture. You don't have to let all this stuff preaching fear in our generation. Who's going up and who's not? If you're in Christ, you're going up. The rapture is for the believer. Amen. It's for those who are in Christ Jesus. Why? See, the things to come are yours. So the rapture is yours. The marriage supper of the Lamb is yours. Praise God, there's a seat there with your name. Amen. You're going to be at the marriage supper of the Lamb. Let me tell you, during the thousand year reign of Jesus, you're going to be there. Why? Because that is yours. You're, you're heir with Him. Everything He gets, everything He does, praise God, you're going to be with Him. And in the eternal new heaven and the new earth, let me tell you, you'll be there as well. Why? Because it's yours. Things present are ours. Things to come are ours. Everything is ours. Amen. Why? Because Jesus is the heir of all things. Amen. And you are his joint heir. Praise God. Another thing it says is that you are Christ's. Amen. Well, let me just go back to that verse there. I know it's the next one there first. Ephesians 2 and verse 7. It says that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness towards us through Christ Jesus. In the age to come, I'm telling you, God is going to dump everything that he has on you. Things that we can't even imagine. Why? It's all ours because of Christ. It's all ours because of Jesus. Amen. Let me tell you, the Father loves you tonight. Loves you dearly. Then it says that you are Christ's. Amen. Every believer is Christ's. We belong to Jesus. We are his joint heir. Amen. And he owns everything. And we own everything because we are Christ. Whatever is Christ is ours. Let me tell you, Jesus is yours. And you are his. I'm my beloved's. And he is mine. Let me tell you, Jesus is yours and you are Jesus. He, you belong to him. He belongs to you. There's a oneness. <clears throat> Amen. Praise God, Jesus is our Savior. Look, look in John chapter 17, verse um, 20 here for a minute. It says, Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which should believe on me through their word. It says that they all may be one as thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee, 
And they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you have sent me. Look at this here. And the glory which thou givest me, I have given them, that they may be one even as we are one. That's amazing. That's an amazing verse. Praise God. You need to say it. Jesus is yours. 1 Corinthians 6 and verse 17, it says, But he that is joined to the Lord is what? One spirit. You and Jesus are inseparable. You are connected forever. Amen. Jesus is yours. Praise God. Amen. Everything he has, everything he is. You are one with him. It's, it's, it's awesome. Look at this here also. And Christ is God talking about the Father. Let me tell you, you, you belong to Jesus. Jesus is yours. You are his. Amen. Jesus said, I'm in my Father. Praise God. And Jesus is in us. <laughs> Let me tell you, he's your Father. You see, everything is yours. See, when it says all that Jesus is the heir of all things, and it lets us know that all, is, all things are ours. It literally letting us know everything is ours. Amen. We don't have a clue what really is ours, what we're going to have in eternity as well. See, with things present, things to come. Jesus is ours. He's mine, I'm his. Amen. The Father, he's my Father, he's your Father. Praise God, all because of what Jesus done for us. Look at Romans chapter 8, and I know we talk about the weird joint heirs, but look what it says here first. It says in verse 17, and of children, then heirs. Look at that, heirs of God. You're an heir of God. Amen. Everything that the Father has is yours. Praise God. Look in Romans chapter 8 as well. Look down verse um, 30, 31. It says, And what shall we say to these things if God be for us? You see, God's ours. God's for you. Amen. Everything is yours. You have the Father on your side. You have the Father in your corner. God's fighting for you. And then it says in verse 32, He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us, how shall he not with him, look at that, freely give us how many things? All things. When the Bible says all things are yours, it literally means all things are yours. If the Father give us Jesus, do you think he's holding something back from us? The Father's saying everything that's mine is yours. You see, when people say, do you know that um, all things work together for good? And you know what? Everything present, that's ours. And they talk about then they talk about sickness is ours and all of these kind of things. And they, they just twist scripture. Let me tell you, the Bible's letting us know that God gave us freely Jesus. Let me tell you, if he gave us Jesus, he's freely given us all things. He's not, God's not the author of sickness and disease. God has not given sickness and disease. God has given us everything. God's given us health. God's given us all of the things that he has. Amen. Praise God. God's in your corner. And I love this when it says the, the Father is yours because many times people see Jesus as the good guy and the Father as the mean guy. They see, you see, they have the mindset that, that God's the grumpy one and Jesus is the loving one. I've heard people say over the years, I love Jesus 
But you know what? God's angry. No, let me tell you. Redemption was the Father's heart. It's showing the Father. The Father gave us Jesus. Let me tell you, the Father loves you. That's why it says we call him Abba, Father. That's a factionate term for us as children of God. You can go to your father just like, you know, naturally we understand that with an earthly father. We, uh, if you have a good father, you know your father loves you. He'd give you anything. Look, my dad wouldn't even had his dinner. He was offering everybody his dinner. He always did it. Hey, do you want that? Do you want that? He'd give you anything that he had. That's a natural father. How much more shall our heavenly father give good things to those that ask him? Amen. Our God is not holding back from us. Our God's not giving us a snake to bite us, a scorpion to sting us. He's not giving us a stone instead of bread. Amen. He's given us things to bless us. We have a good father. He's not against us. He's for us. If he give us Jesus, he'll freely give us all things. Praise God. Again, in Galatians um, well, let me just read this verse here. What do we like for time? I'll close. Just give me a couple of minutes here, and I'll, I'll just call these couple of things out. Galatians 5, verse 6. Look what it says here. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his Son into your heart, crying, Abba, Father. Wherefore, thou art no more what? a servant, but a son. And if a, a son, then an heir of God. Look at that. We're an heir. Everything's ours. The Father's ours. Jesus is ours. Things to come is ours. Things present is ours. Death's in our back pocket. Praise God, we don't have to fear that. Amen. Everything. The ministry gifts are ours. Boy, so God is a good God. He's been so good to us. Do you remember the story of um, the prodigal son? And uh, the elder son was angry because the prodigal came home and the father, you know... Put a ring on his finger and shoes on him and clothed him and killed the fatted calf and all of that kind of stuff and threw a party. And the eldest son was angry. And notice what the father said. Look in verse 31. And he said unto him, Son, thou art ever with me, and all that I have is thine. If God has it, it's yours. Amen. He is not holding back any of his resources from you. It is all yours. His joy, his peace, his victory, his love. Amen. His compassion, his kindness. Everything is yours. He's saying to the son, do you know what? You could have had that any time. But you didn't have that mindset. Because many times people are like that. They see God as mean and don't realize whatever is in the Father's house belongs to you. Amen. God is not holding back. He's not tight-fisted. Let me tell you, God is the biggest giver of all. Amen. Amen. Luke 12, verse 32, it says, Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you uh, the kingdom. Everything that's in the kingdom of God belongs to you. It's all yours. 
And you could look through all of these things. There's lots of things. You know, uh, Philippines, my God shall supply all of your needs. See, it's my God. Why? Because God is your father. See him as your father. See that God, everything he has is yours. It's the father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Amen. Everything that's in the kingdom is yours. First, first um, Timothy 6 and verse 17, it says, Charge them that are rich in this world, that they be not high-minded, nor trust in uncertain riches. See, that's the thing. Don't be proudful. Don't trust in money. But it says, but trust in the living God. And the living God, our Father. What does our Father do? He gives us richly all things to enjoy. Why? Because all things are yours. He gives you it to enjoy. And there's lots of scriptures that go on. And the best one of all is John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Amen. Amen. But you, we need to see it. Our father's heart is towards us. And see it. Our fa- he's our father, Abba. Abba is daddy. There's a faction in it. To where you know he's your father. Do you know what? My, my kids, they wouldn't, they wouldn't, when they were younger, they wouldn't have ran up to any other person and, you know, spoke to them the way they would have spoke to me because I, I'm their daddy. Well, let me tell you, he's our, he's our daddy. Just like we know what it's like as to, you know, to have a heart for our kids. We know that heart. You want them to have the best. You want to look after them. Let me tell you, that's your father's heart towards you. He, he's not holding back. God has a good plan for your life. Amen. That image of our Father changes everything. Everything is yours. That's our inheritance. We're heirs of God and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. Amen.